Hello and welcome to Rollins Around Town. I'm Sam Stark and I serve as the Vice President of Communications and External Relations here at Rollins College. Rollins Around Town is a showcase of outstanding people who make dynamic and important contributions to the Rollins campus and throughout Central Florida. In either case, these are difference makers who help uplift the mission and brand of Rollins and who help make our region a special place to live, learn, and work. Today, I am delighted to welcome Dr. Sharon Carnahan. Sharon is a professor of psychology here at Rollins and is also the executive director of the Hume House Child Development and Student Research Center here at Rollins College. Her background as an educator, children's advocate, and expert in the field of psychology and child development is truly unmatched. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us on Rollins Around Town. You're welcome. It's great to be here. So I always like to start a little bit at the beginning. I know you were born in Chicago and reared in, in New York. What, what was your sort of life journey that got you into, into your profession and your field? Well, I think my life journey started very young, way before I realized it at the time. Uh, my mother was a survivor of polio, like Alice Davidson's father in our department. Right. And my father was executive director of safety programs for the American Red Cross for New York State. So I grew up from the age of about seven helping with what we then called handicap swim every Saturday. So I helped teach children who were blind, children with cerebral palsy, children with Down syndrome how to swim. And I did that most Saturdays, most of my childhood. And because of that, as the children of all people with disabilities do, I developed the ability to see past the disability to the person really quickly in five minutes rather than five months. Right. And that shaped what I did next. And that was, so, so let's go to your educational experiences. Um, a liberal arts college in Michigan. Mm -hmm. I went to Hope College in Holland, Michigan, uh, a lovely snow-dumped place <laughs> on the lake where I had fantastic undergraduate mentoring, just like we do at Rollins. Indeed. And I was able to publish a paper with my lead professor uh, right at graduation. And then on to a master's and a Ph.D. in psychology. Yes, a master's and Ph.D. in Chapel Hill. Both at North Carolina. Unlike a lot of people, I had five years off between my master's and Ph.D. Uh, I got a baby, a divorce, and a master's in the same year. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then went back uh, to, to finish at Chapel Hill, yes. So after Ph.D. was your first full-time position here at Rollins? Yes. Uh, between my master's and my doctorate, I worked in many different jobs, uh, which gave me a wealth of experience. And that made me an attractive candidate to Rollins because they needed somebody who could run the lab school. Right. Mm -hmm. When did you start at Rollins? 1990. 1990. Fall of 1990. Yes, you yeah. were, I believe, so student I, body president. I was. That's right. Yes. I was a junior, maybe the beginning of my senior year. Uh -huh. So you, you, you're still one of the few that's here from, from my days. So that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's fantastic. Um, so we all know roughly, or at least we think we do, what a professor of psychology does. But talk to us about the Child Development Center at Rollins and what you've done and what, what that center does. 
Rollins, from the beginning of the psychology department, before it was even called psychology, when Roger Ray was in charge, it was called uh, uh, behavior, behavioral psychology, I think, has had a commitment to applied skills to helping people learn how to work with other people in the community in a variety of ways. So when I arrived at Rollins, the Child Development Center was 18 preschoolers, half day in a little tiny house, an 1,800 square foot house on campus. The professor was the preschool teacher. And only right after I came was a uh, actual preschool teacher hired. So for over 15 years, we ran around 700 student hours a year of observation and work with 18 kids in a little tiny house. It was clear right from the beginning that we needed a new building, observation space, and a new approach. In fact, my first um, grant proposal for this is dated 2005. Wow. So um, over the years, we were able to refine our vision for what a lab school would look like and what it could mean to the college and the community. I mean, it's such a, a sort of a two-headed um, win, right? Like kids get an unbelievable education and learning environment and experience, young kids, mm -hmm. and then our students get real mm -hmm. life teaching uh, experience. Now in our new building, which is located behind Ethos Restaurant in Winter Park, we have realized our dream, which was to develop a school within a school. So we have three fully functioning mixed-age classrooms that are inclusive of children with disabilities. We serve about 40 children, mostly full day. But each classroom is wrapped around by fully by observation stage, stations, observation rooms with audio and visual observation in the classroom. So we can have a whole ton of people come and see what best practices look like. Right. And then a whole ton of undergraduates who actually go in the classroom and work with the children. And so the new uh, venue, the new center is, I mean, it's certainly spectacular from the outside. Um, what, what's sort of the, what's the footprint that you have now compared to the, the little house you started with? How, how big is it? Yeah. Well, we have three full children's classrooms, a large playground. We're the only lab school in the Southeast that has its own dedicated undergraduate classroom. So students can come oh, and wow. take a course, get up, go down the hallway, observe for 15 minutes, take data, come back, sit down in the classroom. And also our undergraduate classrooms has one full wall um, looking into our art studio. Gotcha. Um, then we have space for director and executive director and staff offices. We have a meeting room for testing children individually or doing research. Um, and we have a parent and art space as well. Spectacular. So 40 kids, how do the kids get identified, applied, selected to, to attend? First, Rollins staff, faculty, and student children um, are equally on our waiting list. We don't weigh any differently a staff member and a faculty member. Um, today, most people put their children on our wait list when they're pregnant. Mm. Um, <laughs> if you wait till two for a fall slot, we just don't have anything. We're full now for fall. 
Unbelievable. Yeah. Is there are there are there fees associated fees for faculty and staff and external people? Sure. We we gave up a sliding we gave up a separation scale between faculty and staff in the community some time ago, and we worked to peg our rates at about eighty five to ninety percent of the going rate in the community. We try to keep our uh, rates a little bit low because we ask a lot of our families. Mm-hmm. Um, Families host undergraduates in their homes for home visits where they are interviewed about their parenting styles. They have to complete developmental screeners and temperament surveys and attitude and attitude surveys. Um, and, the, and they also always know their children are being watched. Right. So we ask a lot of her families, uh, but families don't seem to mind a bit. In fact, they enjoy the extra developmental education that yeah. they get. How many of the psychology department faculty are are involved on a day-to-day basis? Is it some, all, or or just a few of you? A few of us are involved on a day-to-day basis. Dr. Alice Davison and I both teach classes there. Um, Stacy Dunn has served on our advisory board. Um, uh, Rochelle Yankalevitz does research on helping children to approach dogs safely. And so she does her dog research at the CDC. But more importantly, part of our vision, part of our goal in the new building, it's in our mission statement, was to be everybody's lab school. So in a given year, we'll have seven different departments doing projects there. Art history will come and have their students take our children on a docent-led tour of the art museum where they have to learn how to explain things to young people. English writes books with our children. Foreign languages come read out loud in foreign languages to the children. Um, The um, uh, Hillel comes and explains uh, what a Seder is. So we, we work really actively. We have we set a goal for how many departments will be involved each year, and then we heavily recruit. We've developed a, a manual. Um, so you want to have your students come look at kids. What could you do? That's spectacular. Yeah. What great involvement. How, how unique is this uh, in the field of psychology throughout uh, and higher ed throughout the United States? Well, I was just elected to the board of the International Association of Lab Schools. Okay. And there are about 150 lab schools throughout the United States. What's really unusual is that it's at a liberal arts school. Those are rare. Most lab schools grow out of the um, Ag and Tech School and movement uh, after World War II, uh, where departments of home economics were developed at uh, an agricultural extension and home extension was developed. And those big schools, FSU, University of Florida, uh, had lab schools. But uh, for a liberal arts school to have one is unusual. A few years ago, I made a tour of liberal arts lab schools, and most of them were in New England. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Spectacular. How, How does the CDC operate within the college? In other words, are you're not... I should ask, are you a standalone 501c3 or are you a department within the institution like athletics and everything else? No, we're just, we're considered a laboratory of the Department of Psychology, Okay, just the way a chemistry or a physics lab would be. So our first um, 
supervisor, if you will, is the chair of the Department of Psychology. And all major decisions are run through the Department of Psychology with their full support. Right. Um, and next, administratively, we come under the dean and then the provost. So we're basically a, yep. a big lab. If people want to support the CDC, in, you know, specifically and directly, are they able to? Uh, you know, alumni and community donors? Absolutely. Uh, they can support through choosing us on the on giving day. Okay. Um, this next year, we expect an alumni who's a parent uh, to provide matching gifts Great. for that effort. Um, and we have a small endowment, um, a small growing endowment, which we hope will eventually endow the position of the executive director. Fantastic. We also actively seek grants and donations for to manage our day-to-day operations. Um, we're covered. Uh, Rollins is, uh, the CDC is required to give back a certain amount of money to the college every year. Uh, so all of our tuition is simply given back to the college. Got it. Um, but then the college provides us with a budget that's more than our tuition. Got it. We don't have to pay for grounds and maintenance or right. any of that, IT or any of that stuff. Yeah. Oh, excellent. What, what else? Um, anything else about the CDC you want to share? I want to sort of move on to some things about psychology and, and the psychology department. But anything else? I don't want to. It's such a there's so many people in the community, you know, that I interact with who've who've attended, who have kids who attend. They certainly know it. Uh, they certainly see it. Um, I just I want to make sure everything any, anything you want to share about it gets mentioned here. When you have a college that has a commitment to this kind of community outreach for 30 years, you have an ongoing and a rollover impact. I see undergraduates at Rollins who I taught at age three all the time. Next year, we'll be enrolling three children of Rollins alums, and I taught the parents. So the babies now are starting to come. Right. I think having attended the CDC puts a set of community connectors between outside families, community families, and the college. They come to know it so well while their children is here, but also parents on campus who, who raise children together in that community at that time. They found, find, they have bonds together that we see happening all the time. Yeah. Spectacular. So let's talk a little bit about psychology. You, you are a professor. You've been chair of the department. What's going on in the psychology department? I guess more probably specifically, like what, what's the curriculum like for, for psychology majors here at Rollins? Our curriculum reflects national trends. Uh, we, a few years back, had an American Psychological Association full review of our department and made some adjustments to our curriculum. So we're we're kind of at the cutting edge of what's happening in psychology, and we are um, we are loose and mobile. We're constantly updating and making changes. Unlike many places at Rollins, the psychology department is part of the division of hard sciences, and we consider ourselves as giving our students a science education. So, if you're a, a Rollins student in psychology, uh, you take two semester-long courses, and in each course, it's like intro to psych broken into two, but in each course you have three lab experiences and write three lab reports in the community. So by the time you're done with your freshman year, you've written six lab reports. Wow. 
Then you take statistics and research methods. By the time you've gone, done with that, you've written about six more. Then you take your topic areas, developmental, social, clinical, physiological, neuropsych. Um, and of those, a certain number will be lab courses uh, where you spend a couple of hours a week hands-on. And so um, right now, my colleagues are at the Southeastern Psychological Association meeting in Hilton Head. And the eight of them went and they took with them 10 students who are co-authors on papers or posters at the conference. So we're, we're very research focused. Yes. Most of our students go on into counseling and clinical or social work or developmental psychology but some go into physio, and then a ton go into law and real estate. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Like, what's the job preparedness? Um, it's such a, it's an admissions trend. It's um, it's it, it's in getting involved with politics and, and the Florida legislature. I mean, it's um, but clearly, our students, your students, are getting jobs in their in their desired fields. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Admit. Uh, the college recently asked me if I could put together a local alumni panel of people who had worked at the Child Development Center, had at least a master's degree, and were working somewhere in Florida, and I sent them 26 people. So, <laughs> I mean, we, are, we have our footprint on the – Rollins has its footprint on the people who care for others. Right. Yeah. I know, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of teachers that stay – professors uh, and staff that stay at Rollins a long time. Um, how and I know that that's that's part part of that's important. Part of it's important to get new and transition uh, and, and new blood as well. What's the what's the makeup of the psychology department in terms of the faculty? Is it are there a pretty good mix of some colleagues like you've been here a bit and mm-hmm. and some new ones too? Yes, uh, we have some old folks, some middle folks, and some new folks. <laughs> so among senior faculty are me and John Houston a professor of the psychology of work and industrial organizational psychology, also chairs our institutional review board. And he's he's a brilliant uh, psychologist who is very prolific in his research and includes a lot of undergraduates. And Paul Harris, um, uh, a a social environmental psychologist. Uh, We have a physiological neuropsychologist. And then we have two fairly new folks, um, Juan Guevara Pinto, physiological psychologist, and Rochelle Yankelevitz, um, whose specialty is learning and cognition and behavior analysis. We also have Jennifer Queen. I just want to make sure I name everybody. Um, <laughs> Alice Davidson, um, Stacy Dunn. Great department. Yeah. Great colleagues. Great department yeah. with folks at all stages of their yeah. professional development. Yeah. So in addition to your work at the CDC and um, uh, as a professor, you're, I, I know you're a sought-after expert in your field. Um, can you share a bit about what you do in the field, sort of on a more macro and community level? Sure. My time between my master's and doctorate was spent as a baby tester in hospital clinics, in community programs for children with HIV, um, and I learned a huge amount about the needs of families and children who have developmental problems or disabilities. I also learned a huge amount in six years as a single parent 
about the struggles of raising young children. So I've always tried to make myself available in the community. I spent five years with Healthy Families Orange, which is a program uh, working to prevent child maltreatment as their program evaluator. I'm on the board of Wellburn Day Nursery now. I spent seven years on the board of Winter Park Day Nursery, helping develop their curriculum. Yeah. Um, so I see myself as a sort of a utility infielder when our Florida community needs information on best practices for children, and they need it right now. Right. Right. They're trying to make a choice between this program or that program, and they don't know how to read the read the research, read the data. Right. I get. I do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. The the community needs are only getting greater, right? I mean, in this field in general, mm-hmm. um, between obviously you're you know fully engaged. I, I assume many others in the department are as well in other community research and projects and advocacy and support. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Dr. Yankalevitz is a um, applied behavior analyst who is involved in training the next generation of young people who will work with children with autism and other communication disabilities. And through our graduate program in applied behavior analysis, um, fully supported by the psychology department, um, you're seeing a lot of outreach, outreach there. Yeah. What's the integration or what's the the connectivity between the graduate program? Is that through the psychology department or or is it a separate department? No, it's a separate department. And applied behavior analysis is a cousin of psychology, but not a daughter gotcha. or son. So uh, we we swap uh, courses. We swap faculty. Right. Dr. Yankalevitz teaches in that program, and she also teaches a bridge course cross-slit course in the whole school for students interested interested in that field. Yeah. And then we have two clinical psychologists, um, Dr. Dunn and Dr. Luckner, who's our current department chair, and they do a lot of mentoring of students in in community community engagement. Yeah. Yeah. I always feel like I'm so busy and then I and then I find I interview colleagues like you and I think how do you do it? Like mm. I mean you you in essence have kind of three full-time gigs, at least professionally, and I know personally m- more than that. But And, and I, you know, just looking over your academic CV, I mean, the amount of research that you've done mm-hmm. and you do, how do you do it? <laughs> the delight of the liberal arts environment and the reason that I've been able to function as well as I have as a grown-up with serious ADHD is because it's been a serial processing experience for me. I do a few things and try to do them as best I can for five to seven years. And then I get bored and I switch. (laughs) Um, Rollins supported me, for example, in six years of taking students to Costa Rica every single January for a course called Women and Children of Latin America, right? And then after seven years, it became clear that I'd aged out of that. I wasn't connecting with the students as I should. So Rollins helped me move on to do something else. Right. So for so essentially I do what I do in two ways. The first is by staying passionate about what I do and be willing to let go of something when I'm not passionate about it anymore. But the most important thing is to focus on the student. Right. What's the student learning 
not what am I doing, what's my performance, but what is the student learning? And, and that makes it never dull and very manageable. And I would argue that, that the fact that our professors think of student learning first is what makes the, the, the learning environment and the learning experience here for students so spectacular and unique. I mean, I, I know all faculty across the country care about their students, but I, I would truly make the argument that Rollins faculty do to a level that's incredible. I think it is too. Years ago, during a time when the nation's supply of undergraduates had dipped and admissions was very competitive, retired Professor Saki O'Sullivan said something to all of us. He said, we're paid to teach the ones who are here, not the ones we wish were here. Mm -hmm. And we find that the ones who are here are fabulous when we unlock their brains and their thinking skills, when we get them talking, when we connect with them on what they're passionate about. Um, they're marvelous people to be in the classroom with. Um, and I think that's very important. And it is a little unique to yeah. Rollins. You made a baseball analogy earlier, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that was no accident. You, uh, <laughs> you're a Rollins parent, too, or the parent of an alumnus. Um, tell us about that experience, being the parent of a Rollins student. Well, I was the parent of a Rollins student and uh, the Rollins fiancé. Absolutely. It was fascinating. Uh, Matthew and Matthew was a standout baseball player Indeed. at Rollins College and went on to own two baseball uh, companies. He's yeah. now an executive with um, Diamond Alliance uh, National uh, Organization, which hopes to help uh, underprivileged young, young men play the game of baseball at the college level. So um, being a parent of a student who went here gave me some surprising insights into what goes on at the college, especially what goes on in the dormitories. <laughs> Matthew and I have different last names, and he very carefully never told anybody. Right. But his girlfriend used to bring people by my office and go, look, that's Matt's mom. <laughs> <laughs> So that was great fun. There was this moment when I realized that as a first-year student, as a second-year student, the dean of students and head of the dormitories knew my son's name. And uh, when I said to him, oh, I have a son who lives in that dorm, Matt Gerber, he said, oh, I know Matt Gerber. That wasn't right. so positive. But yes, it was delightful to see things from her perspective. I ask uh, guests who have kids here or students here or had I have a son who's a junior and a daughter who's a freshman in high school and sort of going through that. And there's a part of me that says, go away, go far, far away from mom and dad and uh, go live your life and, and create your journey. But then there's another part of me as not only a Rollins employee, but as a Rollins alum that says, there's just no better place to get the learning experience. And um, yeah. are you ever tempted to interfere? No, good. No, good, good. no, it's, uh, it's, it's their choice. Yeah, there's no pressure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, and so, you know, kind of wondering what the advice, I always try to get the advice of people. And, and most everybody to a, to a person says, I didn't see him unless they wanted to see me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but Matthew went away. He went to um, Furmanham to play D1 ball. Right. Uh, and stayed a year and just decided that the benefits of D1 ball were not, did not outweigh the benefits of being home. So yeah. he came back. Yeah. So... And 
you've touched on it because of your work and you've touched on it because of your colleagues' work. But, you know, for someone who's been in the Central Florida community for, for a while, how would Winter Park in Central Florida be different if there wasn't a Rollins College? Imagine Cambridge without Harvard. Right. That's good. Right. That's good. Um, Rollins is the heart and soul of a beautiful, busy, successful community in Winter Park. We're the place you go for concerts, to take your friends to the museum, uh, to attend a Pulitzer Prize winning play, to listen to the Bach Festival, uh, to go to Vespers, uh, to watch a soccer team play, to, to, to go see lacrosse. We're, I think, the cultural center of the community. In addition, we have hundreds and hundreds of PhD-level employees who live in our community and bring their expertise to their neighborhoods, right. whether it's in recycling or merchandising. You can, if you're in Winter Park, you can always find an expert who will help you solve your problem. So I think uh, Winter Park would be so pretty without Rollins College, but it wouldn't be premier destination. I love it, of Florida. You know, so I, I I I ask this question to Rollins guests too. What's your snap your fingers and make it happen wish for, for your work at Rollins College? In other words, if you could just you know make it happen, what what is that one thing that you desperately want, need, and know would just be ch- changing for the. Uh, Live radio, that's what happens, um, you know, for, for your department or your work. Increase the number of students from underrepresented minorities at Rollins to match the percentage uh, living in Florida. Yeah. I think that that would be my number one hope that yeah. we, through endowments and outreach and programs, are able to do that. I think our undergraduates have to learn how to live in a multicultural society and world. They have to learn their own prejudices and abandon them. And the best way to do that is through friendships, active connections and friendships with people whose lives are different than yours, but who are not so different after all. That's right. Once you room with them and play soccer with them and sit in class with them. And so I'm not talking about community service in terms of raising the percentage of students from underrepresented minorities. I'm talking about providing a real-world 2022 education to all of our students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, you, you have to agree that, the, that the, it's changed over time, and, oh, we're, and we're doing better, but there's, but there's still good room, and, and I think we're on a pathway. In fact, earlier you said what... Uh, What's the future of psychology? You know, the world is getting better. Fewer children all over the world die before age five. More children all around the world get at least a good meal a day. Extreme poverty is going down. Education of girls is going up. But we have to teach our undergraduate students that they're going to have to work hard to stay that course. Right. Not to slip back into uh, selfishness in government selfishness in their lives. Yeah. yeah. So a similar question, but a little more lighthearted. 
if if you were president for a day, President Carnahan at Rollins College, what what would you do? What would you do to leave your mark at Rollins College Fox for day. that day? Fox Day. There we go. Fox Day tomorrow. That's yes. a popular answer. That's yes. a good one. <laughs> do, do you have a special place on campus you go and sort of just get away from it all, just take a moment to yourself uh, and, get, and get away? And where is that? Uh, that's the lawn behind uh, the art museum. Yes. Uh, and the cupola there. Yes, that's where... That's where I go and take a walk. But I do have a second one, and that's haagen ice cream. <laughs> nice. Exactly on campus, but close enough. Yes. In, in 30 years, many times when I, when I wanted to lose my temper, I instead would walk down to the Catholic Church and back and pick up a chocolate ice cream cone on the way home. So by good. the time I got back to campus, I was happy to be here. It's a good problem-solving methodology <laughs> from our professor of psychology. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to share that I haven't, that we haven't talked about, just about your work or your role or anything? I need to mention Diane Trotty-Doyle, our director at the Child Development Center, who's been with me for 15 years. Excellent. Um, and our incredible teaching staff, and our need to make sure that their salaries stay in line with what they're what they're worth, what they're capable of. You can't expect to spend to pay people at a lab school the same as you would at La Petite, yeah. and still maintain your quality. Um, so, I, a, a particular shout out to the wonderful folks there. I'm I'm just the I just steer the ship. I don't I don't pull the oars. Um, and I think that would be about it. Excellent. Well, um, you are you're such a treasure to the college, and the work that you do is amazing. And um, I often think that your field certainly recognizes it. The institution, probably most of us do. Um, and and I just hope and and wish continued success for you and the program and the department. And just can't thank you enough for all you do for Rollins and uh, to make our institution, our community, a better place. So thanks for being with me today. Thank you, Sam. Thanks to Angel, our awesome Rollins student, who's our marketing coordinator and board operator. Uh, Keep updated on all of our shows and guests. Uh, Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rollins Around Town. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Rollins Around Town, on Apple, Google, and Spotify. So with that, we thank you for joining us and wish you a great day.